Locked and Loaded. The Industry 45 Show with host Shane Christopher Neal. Industry 45 Show, uh, giantfm.com. Just a reminder, each and every Saturday night, you can check out my show, 70s at 7, 80s at 8, and the Rockin' House Party, uh, 9 to midnight on Giant FM. It's streamable to giantfm.com. All right, uh, Dale is on the phone. Dale Lytle, how are you? From Angeles. Not angels, like so many people say, but uh, Angeles. How you doing, man? Oh, really good. How are you? Just got done with rehearsal, and my voice sounds a little rough. It's, uh, uh, actually, I use some of that spray. It's uh <laughs> vocal ease <laughs> but yeah i'm doing good a little tired it kind of wears you out it was a two-hour rehearsal but it always feels so good well i'm telling you right now if my, vo- if my voice sounds rough it's um because i'm having jack daniels so there you go <laughs> we're, right. we're on the same page uh absolutely so you know i watched some of the videos uh listened to some of your songs but you have an interesting story because um I'm a huge fan of Los Angeles and the Sunset Strip and the bands that you have opened for, played with over the years. But kind of let's start at the beginning a little bit first before we get to what you're doing right now. 1977, you put the band together. Uh, Tell me what that scene was like in the late 70s in Los Angeles. Sunset Strip, uh, some of the biggest bands in the world are just breaking out in the late 70s and into the early 80s. So take me back a little bit about what you remember and all those experiences. You know, we were just all there having fun, um, you know, at the rainbow after rehearsals or after shows. And it was always packed every night. Didn't matter what night it was. It was, um, the go-to place after anybody would play or whether they were playing or not. And it was just jam packed. I mean, every, every night of the week and, and, um, um, we, we would just hang out with everybody and, and, everybody was playing and, and having a good time and, and just doing our thing. And, and, um, you know, we branched out from backyard parties in the San Fernando Valley and then, you know, broke into the true over the hills to, to Hollywood and the Troubadour, the whiskey and the rock scenes. And, um, it was just a lot of fun. I mean, uh, playing with Dio in San Diego and, you know, Jakey Lee was in the band at, when we were playing, doing that. And, uh, um, just, you know, the girls, um, I wasn't really in, into the drugs, uh, too much, the drug scene, but it was, I mean, thank goodness, you know, I, I wasn't over in the corner shooting up heroin, you know, like, like, <laughs> like, uh, you know, look, I feel so sorry, you know, for Frank, I, from Nikki sick, you know, I, I just, um, you know, I, I, I knew him, we played with them and everything like that, but I never really hung out with them. And never really went to the, the, the apartment that they had up the street. And never, I don't know why I never went there. I, I, I've got to try and, I don't know. I, I remember, you know, walking to the back of the whiskey and hearing, uh, you know, Vince going, hey, Dale, what's up? And Tommy was there. And then Tommy came to see us at Pookie's, which was in Pasadena. And we went out and talked to him on the uh, sidewalk. He sat right in front of me, turned the chair around. He, I had a Zeus pedal. It's like a distortion thing. It was really pretty badass sounding. And he, he, you know, loved the sound of it. And we went out on the sidewalk to talk for a long time. And used to talk to Nicky, uh, 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 a lot about, uh, he was trying to get, get him hooked up with his, their manager, Alan Kaufman. And I think he had just had enough to do with bands and didn't want to take on another one. But 
you know, it was a, a lot of a lot of fun, a lot of friends, a lot of parties. Uh, you know, different after parties. But I never never went to the the Motley's um, place. You know, and uh, well, it's funny you uh, say that. I I did, but not now. I went like six years ago, five years ago. So they weren't there. Um, (laughs) But I did go by the front of it there. And uh, it's funny when you talk about Motley Crue, because just two days ago, uh, I was at the Motley Crue uh, show, the stadium tour here in Toronto and saw them Poison Def Leppard and and Joan Jett and all that. So your first gig, uh, big gig, maybe not your first gig, um, playing the Troubadour with Motley Crue, right? Tell me a little bit about how that, was it just your friendship with the band that kind of got you in there at the time or, or what's that story? No, we were all equal. I mean, we played, then they played, and we played, and then they played. We both played twice that night. And that was the first night? That that was, no, our first night in, in, at the Troubadour was we headlined, we played at midnight and oh, got it was it. sold out. Okay, got it, yep. Yeah, we, we packed the place. Um, that was in like maybe 1980 or maybe even 79. And then we were, the, the Motley crew came up, the show came along and, and, uh, I remember playing the whiskey the week before and we, um, uh, they were there except Mick was it. Um, everybody was there and they were upstairs and they were, they came to see us play. And then, uh, cause we were like co-headlining, we, you know, we both played two times, uh, uh, uh Saturday, the, the next Saturday following Saturday, Saturday, uh, fourth company Saturday, whatever the hell you want to say. So anyways, uh, um, they came to check us out and it was just another show for both of us, for both bands. And, uh, you know, yeah. So it was in, it was in what, 1984 though, where you guys got, uh, signed to, to mystic records you put your debut album yeah. out. So tell me the story yeah. with, with that and what you remember back in 1984 and putting an album out because it's much different, obviously, today uh, than it was back then. Well, you know, we were hooked up with uh, Michael Lloyd and this the manager, Bill Hillman, that we had at the time, uh, hooked us up with um, him. And oh, we were working over the summer on like three songs. He wanted to make sure we had like three good ones. And we had Nasty Girls and You Long Gonna Love You, and he thought those were the two real uh, strong songs. And he wanted us to do a cover, so we agreed on uh, No Sugar Tonight. So we did that, and uh, we went in the studio of Cherokee with him, and, you know, he he, he had never done a rock band, so um, uh, we weren't supposed to cuss, drink, you know, do a goddamn fucking thing, and... We we ended up uh, doing everything, and he threw us out. <laughs> you know, and it was like ended the 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 the, the session, and uh, we went on, and and two of the guys left, John and Paul, and uh, I went and got my friend Tom Leslie back to John Merritt on drums, and Tom on bass, and took us to a uh, uh, studio powerhouse. I was, I was living there at the time, and. Um, proceeded to do exactly what Michael Lloyd was going to do. And, you know, had we got the right producer, it would have been a whole different story with us. But since we got somebody, you know, Michael Lloyd had done Pat Boone, Debbie Boone, Pat Debbie Boone, uh, Leif Garrett, Sean Cassidy, you know. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't hard edge rock and roll. It wasn't hard edge rock and roll, no. No, and we were, we were his first rock band. And it was just like, okay, you know, and and uh, he thought we were like 
between Led Zeppelin and Van Halen, which there was a look in Dave's and mine's face presence, and the songwriting, and it was a fun, fun style of rock, you know, sex oriented, whatever, uh, type rock and roll. And, and, uh, it just, you know, he wasn't the right producer. If we'd gotten, you know, Mutt Lang or, uh, you know, one, one of the great, you know, rock, uh, uh, producers at the time, it right. would have been a whole different story. It I got would have it. been a different ball game. So, so the Not album, Lang, the that. the album was called "We're No Angels," though, right? And um, so, yeah. So, tell me the story and, about the title of the album, too. Well, Kevin DeBro, uh, we used to play with them a lot, and we were at the Troubadour, and we were walking in, and he was a tall guy, and he was standing at the in- entry, and. Uh, I looked at him and, and, uh, no, he looked at me or looked down at me and, and, uh, said, Oh, it's the angels. You know, we, we were always fine with them. And I looked at him and I looked up at him and said, we're no fucking angels, dude. You know, it's like, because we, back then, like it is now still a fight. Everyone's still trying to be the biggest band, the best band. Right. Everyone's still trying to make it. And everyone wants to be the biggest and best band, you know? And, and, uh, that, that was, I went back, where I was living at the studio of Harlequin and, uh, in Northridge. And, um, I told the guy that was, uh, used to hang out there and the, 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 the story. And he goes, that's what you should in your album. And I went, Whoa, yeah, you're right. You know? So that's how it, it was, uh, essentially in a roundabout way. We named it because of Kevin DeBro or Kevin DeBro named it. Uh, <laughs> and it's not like, you know, came out and said, Hey, you know, you should name your album this, but you know, I, I mean, it's like, I got so sick of people saying that I looked at them and I said, we're no fucking angels, you know? And, and that was, uh, that, that's the story. And I told somebody else and, and the guy suggested it, you know? Uh, you know what, Dale? You've had a lot of uh, great bands that you've played along, uh, including Bon Jovi, Ronnie James Dio, uh, Michael Shanker, uh, the list goes on, Great White. Um, do, you, do you have a favorite over the, your many years of playing as far as uh, you know, playing along with? You know, we, we played the Guns N' Roses, too, was another big one. But um, I, I, I think Dio in San Diego were the two final shows. <laughs> And Jack Russell was great. And um, uh, Robbie Krieger was great. Um, really nice guy. I always liked playing with Y&T. Uh, Jack was always really nice, uh, Russell. And, um, and, and you know, but Dio, I mean, we were signing $150 bills underneath Dio's name. I mean, how could that not be fun? Yeah, absolutely. You know, that was, that, yeah, I, I would love to get one of those. You know, hundred dollars goes. Uh, I mean, man, that'd be awesome. You know, and when I look at the clubs, we had a great time. And Jake, we were friends. Me and Jake were good friends, and you know, it was just really cool. And it you was know, really cool. You know, and what, he did one on rough cut. So yeah. it was Dio, rough cut, and then us. What um, when I look at the venues, like you know, obviously the the whiskey, the Canyon Club, uh, is it the Rosita Rosita Country Club? I remember Jenny yeah. Lane telling stories about Warrant playing there. Uh, quite often. Oh, same, yeah. same with Poison. Uh, did you have a favorite venue? I don't know what I've, I've only, I've been to uh, the whiskey. That would be it. That, that would, you know, I mean, the whiskey, yeah. Uh, and, but we, you know, we played the, with uh, Motorhead and, uh, uh, I'll say I kind of got in trouble with that one, but, uh, he was, I was thinking it was caught in the bus with uh, one of the, the guy's girlfriends, but, you know, <laughs> 
but yeah, the the the, the, the Racina Country Club was just a really cool venue. It was it was it was like it was a twelve hundred seater, and we that was a, our, our, we were the first band to ever play with Bon Jovi. Um, it was at the Racina Country Club. It was Striper uh, and goes to Bon Jovi. And at that time, we actually brought in more people, over 400, uh, 500 people we brought in alone. And Striper brought in a bunch of people. So we, we brought in more people than anybody, even band that night. And believe it or not, we brought in more people to the country club than Bon Jovi did the first night they played in, 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 on the West Coast of Los Angeles. Well, that, that's incredible. And talk about, um, I mean, your single, Nothing But Love. Yeah, I've never really thought about it uh, know, that way. Uh, yeah, but I mean, when you think about it in perspective, you know, you guys uh, yeah. showed up and you know what? Maybe Bon Jovi took some lessons from you early on. Who knows, right? Uh, let's yeah, talk, who knows? Let, let's talk about Nothing But Love, though, and the new single or one of your new singles. And what inspires yeah. you or keeps inspiring you this many years later uh, to put out new music? Oh, you know, I love being in the studio. And I, every time I play the guitar, uh, pick it up, which I, I try and have one next to me at all times, next to my couch. I got one right here right now. And, you know, it's like, I just like, I keep it close, not in the, the rehearsal room. I keep, keep it on the couch if I'm watching TV or during a commercial and it's looking right at me. I'm looking right at it. I'm looking at it right now. And it's like, damn, you know, it's like, it, it, it just, it just calls me. And, and every time I pick it up, I end up, I just write. I, 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 I just instantly come up with something. Um, and, and, you know, my wife has been with me for about 12 years now. And we've been married 10 and she knows like every time I come up with, you know, a new thing. And lately, like this guitar is like in a C tuning that I got next to me at drop C. And I've been experimenting with that. And that, that's kind of a, a fun new thing. And it's like, I, I don't know. It's just like when, when you come up with a really cool hook, then, and, and then you, you know, I, I've got tons of them. I mean, just lords, hundreds of hooks. But it, it's like, it's always the freshest, newest ones that I end up going in with. I, I don't go back. Like, I got this one guy always wanting me to go back. To like 78. Oh, you've got some great licks on this cassette that I've heard and blah, blah, blah. He put them on thumb drive. And I'm just like, I can't get myself to go back and do a lick I did in 1978, you know? And, and, uh, it always seems to be the most current licks. Um, and, and it, it's, um, um, I, it's just like during the winter, I like to, you know, me, Danny, and the close to Cal. We would get together, and I'd, I'd come up with the hooks and the music, and we'd get together and put them together, and the guys all we'd discuss on four times, eight times, six times, you know, a, a weird uh, thing here, a weird thing there, and put the songs together. And it was just something to do during the winter. And, you know, California, I lived most of my life. It didn't have a lot of winters, but um, I don't know. It was just all we, we always had. We've done eight albums in a row. Uh, the last eight years, an album a year for eight years. And it just, it just seems like every March, you know, we go in, um, probably start about January and it takes us three weeks and we've got a record and we go in. And my theory is I get, I wait until they're 
we just can get through the seven or eight or nine or ten songs. Just get through them. I mean, to where we're probably still going to make a mistake. But And if we do, I don't care. It doesn't matter. It's like, I want that freshness. And, you know, if, if we've got to, we get them to that point. And then we'll go into the studio and lay down the, the, the tracks. We'll do this. And, I mean, literally, we lay down every single album. We've laid down every single track. Um, and we'll lay down eight tracks or whatever in two hours. The drums are done. And we'll run through we'll run through the song maybe one time, sometimes two. And if we're really struggling, it'll be three times. But they're so fresh. They're so off the oven. You know, they're just right out of the oven. So it, it, it's not the way I like them. I don't like them when they're, they're so overdone and they're, they're no longer fresh. And, and, and uh, um, I like that, that fresh feeling, that, that, fresh, that um, fresh emotion. And then, you know, I'll, I'll even lay down a lot of my tracks and a lot of my leads because we'll book 12 hours takes you two hours to set the drums up and get the drum sounds and you know we we knock i'm literally we're, we're we'll go in at 10 or 11 and we'll have the tracks done by by the the, the basic tracks done by two o'clock or one o'clock and i'll have lord's time on my hands to overdub the rhythms to do the leads you know to get as much as i can out of the time we've got booked and literally i mean we won't do basically the whole thing in one day and except then we, then we always go uh, from a, uh, you know, a studio that's got a big drum room and, and tracking uh, rooms to a smaller studio, which we always, you, you would usually go to Matt in North Hollywood, Matt Thorne from uh, uh, Rough Cut, uh, from, uh, he joined Rough Cut in 82. He wasn't in Rough Cut when we played with him in 81, but he, Anyways, that's another story. Um, so we would we would do all the if there was acoustic guitars needed or any dubbing or if if I don't like a lead that didn't turn out, I would do some leads there. But we we would go there. And we did probably all eight albums, all the vocals there. That was basically the vocal room at uh, MC Studios in, in North Hollywood. I'm not not the one. And he's also the bass player for uh, speaking to us a lot of times. He was, he's not so much now. But he's recorded a lot of it. But all the solo Tennessee uh, albums have been done through um, at his place. But they don't do the tracking. It's all drum machines and all that. So it's like, I'm not into that. You know, I'm not into that, that kind of stuff. And and uh, Matt would tell me, oh, why, why do you do this? It takes so much harder, so much longer. It ends up being an extra five or ten minutes. It's like, okay. That, you know, what are you crying for? <laughs> Shut up. You know, it's like, you know, we got it. It's done. Because you 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 don't have to sing every verse, you know, over, I mean, every a chorus over and over. You can just slam in. Right. And, and that's what, um, you know, I'd say, we'll try and fly. Okay. You know, uh, it was like a love-hate relationship we got, I guess, you know. And uh, so, you know, you, you didn't have no problem. And then, when we moved to Missouri for a short while, we went to a place um, called Weights and Majors, and and Dwayne was the uh, engineer, and and um, and he, he's really good, and 
Yeah, no problem. He'd fly things in so quick. It, it was not even funny. And, and, um, so, you know, it, it's just, um, but yeah, we did all the movement, take it somewhere else and do the vocal backings and some guitar overdubs or whatnot and then mix them and that, all that, you know. But the whole thing usually takes us, it, it, it depends on the schedule of the engineer, you know, it could be quick, it could take a while, you know, but it, it, because, it, you know, it's a booked up. But otherwise, it only takes like, we're, we're done. We got the album mixed and ready in three weeks. Wow. I mean, once we start the thing. And, you know, Dio, Dio told me once, he goes, if, if, if you, if, if the band's right and everything, you you can go in and you should, it should never take longer than three weeks to a month to write an album. You know, when you get together and you start working, it should go quick. Right. And I don't know how Axel wrote that 10 years on it. I'm trying <laughs> to put an album together. Uh, <laughs> well, up. Well, we're gonna we're gonna spin uh, nothing but love, and uh, I know I, I know I was sent another video uh, for for Bound for Hell too, which I'll I'll attach and all that. But Dale, uh, it's it's fun to talk to you. You've got a great story. You gave us a lot of information. Uh, maybe we'll do this again sometime. Is that cool? Yeah, I would love to anytime, man. I'm I'm always good for for, and I appreciate you having me on, and, and uh, yeah, I would love to anytime. All right, Angelus, nothing but love, Industry 45.